Welcome to Scanner School. This is session 125. We're talking about spring and fall tasks that you should be doing around your home to make sure that your antenna system is in tip-top condition. And before we start this week's podcast, I want to thank the supporters of Scanner School. So whether you're going to scannerschool.com support and you're supporting us at a one-time donation by going to PayPal, maybe you're using our Amazon links before you make a purchase on Amazon, if you're looking for new hardware, you're using our Scanner Master links, or even if you're using Butel software, before you make that purchase, you go and use our Butel links and our brand new eBay links if you're looking for used equipment. Your support helps keep the podcast going. I also want to thank those who help support us on Patreon. Now, Patreon is a month-over-month type of sponsorship platform. And there's three different tiers. The first tier for a buck a month, you're just help, helping to support us. And really, at the Patreon takes theirs, we're only getting pennies on a dollar, to be honest with you. At $3 a month, you're going to get the podcast delivered to you early. You get your own private podcast feed that you can actually get the podcast as soon as it's available. At the $5 level, you not only get the $3 level, but you also get squelchy stickers mailed directly to your home. Because at $5 a month, it really equates to being about a dollar a week or a dollar per podcast is really what you're you're giving us. So again, I want to thank my Patreon supporters who are Craig Harper, Dan, Glenn Blum, Glenn Bryden, Guy Lee, Irvin Thibodeau, James Felling, Jeff Block, Jenny Taylor, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Mark Beebe, Raymond Hill, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Scott Vorder, Signals Everywhere, Todd Glendai, and William R. Can. Let's start the podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. So welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger. My amateur call sign is W2LAE. And this podcast is here to teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. Today, we're going to take an inventory of the outside part of our scanner radio setup. Now, this is a list that you can do in both the spring and the fall, which is a perfect time to bring this up right now because we are in the middle part of spring right now in the United States. For those of you who listen to me in Australia and New Zealand and the Southern Hemisphere, you guys are mid-fall getting ready for winter. So it's a great opportunity to do this list on either side of the spectrum here, right? This is a fall and a spring survey list. The point here is to make sure you go outside and you do these items once a year just to take inventory and keep a mental note of how your your setup is. Now, I'm very curious to know what you think of this list. And if there's anything that I had missed on this list, let me know. Scannerschool.com slash session 125. And leave me a comment so I know how I did this list and anything else you want to bring up on this list. So again, I'm recording this today. It's May 3rd, 2020. It's a beautiful spring day here on Long Island. It's about 70 degrees Fahrenheit, which equates to 21 degrees Celsius for all my metric friends out there. And it's great. It's a great time to go out there. So what I did was basically I grabbed my phone and you don't have to be as complicated with it. I kind of grabbed my phone and did this so I can take notes, play it back and create the podcast on us. But I walked around my property with my voice memo up and I just gave a visual or, or, or dictated what I'm seeing so I can basically 
tell you guys, you know, what to do. But it's a good way just to save this information. And then when you get back in the house, you can just, you know, write down what you saw or categorize it so that you, you know what's going on. So we're going to start off by saying this. This is pretty much a ground observation only, right? We're talking about observations right now. We're not talking about actually doing the action items here. So it's a matter of you don't have to jump on a ladder. If you don't feel comfortable on a ladder, please don't go up on a ladder. If you're looking for help in setting up or, or fixing anything, the best thing you could probably try and do is reach out to your local amateur radio club. Uh, a lot of guys there will be more than happy to come to your place and help you with an antenna. Uh, you may need to buy them some lunch or to throw a couple of bucks their way. But that's really a good resource to finding people who are okay with putting antennas up. They understand how things should be. All right, let's start with our antennas because that's the topmost part and we'll work our way down to the bottom. So take a look at your antennas, right? The antennas are the ears, basically, of your entire setup. It's, it's the last point that you physically have in your setup before it, I don't know, better, at a loss for a better set of, of, of terms here. It's the last point before you get to the outside world, right? It's, it's where the rubber meets the road, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? This is, this is the last junction point. So make sure your antenna is in tip top shape. No, you're not going to put antenna wax on these things. I know that's one of those crazy little terms like, uh, like blinker fluid and all that stuff too, but look at the antenna. I'm being serious here. Make sure your antenna is in perfect shape. Now, with this cone antennas, right, uh, the bottom radials, right, that's the cone part of the antenna, the, the part of the antenna that hangs down below where you've mounted it to the mast. Sometimes the radials can actually back out of the antenna, and then they blow away and get lost. So they drop and they fall to the ground. So when I install these antennas, I always try and put a little bit of, uh, of uh, what's that, uh, the red or the, or the blue um, Loctite up in there, I forget which one it is you're supposed to be using at the moment, but that that helps to, to keep things you know from falling out. But you, what you want to do is you want to make sure that you haven't lost any radials on the antenna. The antenna is still in the in good shape, and that things are where they're supposed to be. Now, for an example on this one, yes, I've seen radials come out of antennas. This is something that happens. I've also seen it where my ST2 blew apart in a storm. That uh, basically the, the, the top section of the antenna, it broke because it was just held together with plastic. And I didn't do any of the modifications to it to make it stronger before I put it up. And the top part was just hanging down. I've actually seen installs that um, I was a part of where we went looking for the antenna because this company stopped being able to receive anything and we couldn't find the antenna on the roof. I thought that somebody had actually stolen their antenna and replaced it with a Yagi on uh, on their mast until I realized that both top and bottom parts, the antenna blew apart and all they had was the boom left. So you're going to want to take inventory and make sure that you're not caught off guard. Obviously, if you're doing this every six months, every year, you may find that maybe it is a little too late, but hopefully if things start to fail, you're going to notice them and can make corrective actions before then. So the antenna, again, being one of the, the last parts of the pie, part of the puzzle here, you want to make sure that at least, you know, that the antenna is in good condition. Now, if you have tall antennas that are guide, right? Now I have in my HF vertical antenna is about, uh, I don't know, it's got to be about 20 feet tall on a 10-foot mast. I guide this antenna so it's not whipping around back and forth and making my neighbors nervous. Make sure that your guys are in good shape. 
right? Make sure that the knots are still tight, that the that it's not fraying, and that you know whatever your is that you're that you're anchored into is still in the ground properly, that nothing is pulling, nothing's pulling out of the ground. So it's a good opportunity to make sure that all that is in good shape as well. If you have overhead antennas, such as inverted Vs, or you've got a long, long random wire antennas between trees or whatever else like that, you want to make sure that that's in good shape here, that your anchor points are still solid, that if you're using pulleys or you're using weights to help you know, with the sway factor of trees, that they're not hung up and everything is looking good on there as well. Maybe you didn't lose your weights or, or anything else. If you have balance up there too, make sure that, you know, if, if you can get to the balance, that they're good, that they're still solid, that they're not full of water and, and stuff like that. So the antennas, again, the important part here, because that is basically the end of the road for your system when it comes to your radio. Okay. What are the antennas attached to? The antennas are attached to masts, and masts are attached to brackets. So what you want to do here is, is while you're giving yourself your visual inspection, now this will be a little bit more difficult if you have something like a discount antenna, but I always look at where the U-bolts have connected to the mast, right? I set mine up so that if I'm looking directly at the antenna, uh, looking perpendicular to the place where it's mounted, I should see my U-bolts, right? I should know where things are. It's, it's, it's where I mount things usually. You want to make sure that your mast hasn't twisted in the mounts. Now, I have that problem with one of my antennas. I don't know why. We went up there and we strong-armed the brackets and, and the U-bolts when we installed it. But for whatever reason, I guess because of the vibration of, of the mast, it kind of started to twist in the mounting brackets. I also have a, uh, a camera up there too, so I can kind of tell because the camera is now in a different location. But you want to make sure that you go up there and if you are starting to see a twisted bracket, that you back out the twist. So you back, you know, you, you, you twist that mast back to the right plane, I guess is the way to say it. Because as the, as the mast starts to twist left or right, you could be putting extra tension on your coax, which again would cause the coax then to start pulling off the house and falling off and falling down and causing other issues, right? You don't want to put too much strain on your coax, strain on connectors or anything like that. So again, take a visual, make sure that your masks aren't twisted. You also want to make sure too that your masks haven't bent in any way. I know some people use cheaper or thinner walled masks. They go out of the, uh, the home center and they go and they buy chain link fence, the top part of the fence, and they put those up. But they find out at the time that, that, the, that the masks are starting to bend or maybe they're going to start to get a kink in it. What you really want is good quality antenna masks. And, you know, just make sure that they're in good shape, that they're not rotting through, they're not rusting through, they, sh they shouldn't rust or rot through, but you never know what it is that you actually put up there. And make sure that they're not bent or kinked. Again, if you start to see that they're starting to bend or starting to kink, they're going to fail and eventually they will be pointed directly at the ground. So you want to make sure that everything is looking good as well. Now, if the mast is on the side of the house and it's mounted to the house, you want to make sure that your mounting is nice and strong. An example here, I want to tie in two points here between my mass and, uh, I'm sorry, my mounting brackets and my guy wires. I have my HF guide to two fence posts and also to the lower part of a mast. Well, this is causing a problem with my mast because it is actually starting to put tension on the mounting bracket. And I have these Y-shaped mounts up there. And they have with, I guess, the whipping part of my HF antenna started to tug on them and actually cause the Ys to deform. 
So I have a mask now that is listing towards my neighbor's property. So one of the things I have to do this spring is get up there, pull that mask completely down, take the brackets off the house, replace them with better and stronger brackets, and put everything up. And this also might mean I have to relocate that final guy on my HF antenna. So that might mean moving into the other side of the garage or you know, screwing into the fascia board on the other side or something completely different. I haven't really figured that one out yet. But we'll take it and see what happens there. But it's an action. I'm looking at it now going, okay, it's really listing. So I need to go up there and replace that anyway. But again, too, it's a good opportunity now too, because I want to replace what's up there anyway. So I'll be able to kill a couple birds, birds with one stone on this one. Also, while you're looking at in, antenna mounts that might be failing, make sure if you get a pair of binoculars like that, or you can use them in your phone, make sure that all the lag bolts have their heads on there, that they look like the, the actual mounting points themselves haven't failed, that it's just the brackets that are warping, or again, too, it could just be your masks that are bending. In my case, I know it's the brackets have gotten weak and have actually torqued out of place, basically, from uh, the leverage that is on the mast. So again, that could be a problem. Also take a look at your chimney brackets if that's the way you're going too. Because a lot of sh the, the chimney brackets, they, they, they go in the corner of the chimney and then they strap around the chimney. Eventually, those could fail over time as well. That happened one year at my parents' house after a big storm. We had a uh, had a CB antenna. I forget it was a Shakespeare or something or other that was up on the roof, and you know it was like a ten foot bottom coil, then then uh, an eight foot whip that was on top of it. So there was a lot of of tension on that one, and eventually it just gave way. So we had to go up there and cut that one down after the storm. But again, these things can happen. Keep your eyeballs on your your mast uh, mounts. Again. The brackets should be should be strong. They should be they should be good, but they will fail probably over time as well. Again, if you have things mounted to a vent pipe, make sure that they're not slipping down. That the that the mast isn't digging into your your shingles or anything else. It should be elevated off the top of the roof, and that things have plenty of room underneath the mast as well. So it's a good you know opportunity to put some eyeballs on the antennas and the masts and their mounting system to make sure that things are strong in order and aren't starting to prematurely fail. All right, on the other side of this break, we're going to wrap this up with the other couple of things that we should be looking at while we're outside surveying our antenna system. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealer serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every Scanner Radio user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, phil 
at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware, or even just make some changes and you don't understand how the system and the equipment works? The podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely, and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. Okay, so we've gone from the antenna to the mast to the mounting brackets. Well, then how do we get in the house? Obviously, we use coax. So let's look at our coax and make sure that this piece of the puzzle is all good. Again, outdoor quality coax shouldn't fail for UV. You shouldn't see the jackets coming off of it. The jacket should be in in solid in place at all places. Uh, but look at the entire run from where it goes from the antenna from the last point you can see all the way that goes in the house. You want to make sure you have no nicks in the jacket, okay? Uh, landscapers that might get too close to the house might whip it, right? That could be a problem. If you've somehow run the coax through the grass, make sure you didn't run over the lawnmower, right? You want to make sure that your that your shielding is in place. Make sure the dressing, the coax dressing hasn't failed you. Right, you're using some good UV black quality zip ties. If you're going to zip tie them to the mast, electrical tape is good, but eventually electrical tape it's not waterproof. Right, the rain's going to get in there. It's going to eat up the glue and the gum that the actual tape part of things. And you're going to want to make sure that you have some physical thing on there holding the antenna to the mast. You don't want, I mean, the coax to the mast. You don't want this coax whipping around and smacking into the mast. Eventually, over time, it could deform the coax, could weaken the coax. You want to make sure that your coax is properly dressed and secure through the mast down the side of your house, whether it follows down the path of the chimney. Make sure that it is tacked somehow to the house, again, so it's not smacking into the house. I've used these clips that go underneath my vinyl siding and use zip ties on there. Again, you can use, I guess they're called C-clamps that go around the coax and then have a tab so you can screw it into the side or nail it into the side of the house. Right, you don't really want to be screwing through your coax. It's kind of to defeat the purpose of it, but you want to make sure you at least have some way of securing the coax to the house, the full run too. Not only going down vertically, but horizontally where you want to go to. Right, you want to make sure that coax is elevated off the ground. You want to make sure that it's not buried in the dirt, buried in your in your mulching or whatever else. So on my house, I built a little H frame 
out of out of pressure treated lumber that I run my coax through because I have several pieces of coax that run along the side of the house. But before it goes in the house too, it has dipped down. I have noticed today while doing my surveying that I need to go out there and readdress certain issues, certain areas because the coax is now in the dirt. So again, practice what I'm preaching here. I'm going out there, I'm surveying, I'm noticing the things that had to be cleaned up and addressed. So again, these are all things I do pretty much spring and fall here to make sure that things are good. What else you want to do with the coax? You want to make sure that the coax is free of vegetation. So again, what am I noticing on my house? Well, where the coax runs up the chimney, I've noticed I have a vine now that has grown from the ground all the way up to my roof line. So again, while I've got the ladder out addressing the twisted mast and cleaning up my coax, I'm also going to go up there and make sure that I've got all the vines completely pulled off my coax. I don't want the vines going around the coax and, and compressing on them or keeping moisture up against them or anything else like that. So again, I'm glad I'm finding this now before it starts getting a bit higher and maybe even makes its way to the antenna. So make sure we stay on top of these things, especially now while things are growing. Hey, you guys in the Southern Hemisphere, I think this isn't an issue with you guys because it's probably going to die anyway in a couple of weeks. So, but we'll see. The next thing you want to do, though, make sure your coax is watertight still, right? Look at every junction point. Obviously, you're not most likely going to be able to see where the coax meets up with the antenna. Usually, that's done through the bottom of the mast or off to the side. But again, if you can see it, make sure that uh, whatever whatever form you've used to weather tight that seal still looks like it's in good shape, right? Normally, what I do is I get this antenna putty. Or it's like a tar, but it's it's more of a putty. And I usually tape up my connector, then put this tar over it, and then tape it up again, so that not only when I take the tar off, it's not a little gunked up in the connector, but uh, I put the electrical tape around that too, just to kind of keep things neat and, and in order. But you want to make sure that any other point you have it, like before it goes in the house, if you've got lightning arresters, right, that they're all taped up and 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 good, so no water is getting there as well. But the other thing you want to make sure, too, is where it enters the house, right? You want to make sure that that point of the system is clean and dry and that you don't have any holes or issues there as well. So if you bring or you brought the coax in through, just straight through in, you want to make sure that you've got silicone around the opening, that the silicone hasn't peeled away. You don't want to have any openings in there so rodents can get in there or water can get in there. You want to make sure that that area there stays nice and clean. What I've done at my house is I've I've actually put access boxes where my coax comes in the house. I can lift those up and I can change out the coax I want to. It gives you more room to work around with. Some people have bigger boxes because they have a lot more coax coming in to one set location. And again, you'll make sure that those areas are nice and clean that uh, you have the weep holes are, are free of debris so that the water can, or moisture can come out of there. You want to make sure that nothing has nested in there, no rodents, no insects have taken the shelter basically that you've provided there and are now calling it home. So again, you want to make sure that that is in good condition and, and sealed up very well as, as well. All right, let's move on to grounding. Now, grounding is something that we've talked about in the past and is a very important thing to have here too. So not every antenna requires grounding, but you should at least ground the mast if you can. You want to make sure that you know the ground wire is still there. Again, not slapping against the house, that it's a straight as possible run, right? Lightning wants to take the path of least resistance. So don't be bending your ground wire, run it straight down, make sure it goes right to your grounding rod. And you want to make sure that, that your ground wire is still physically attached to the ground rod. You want to make sure that nothing has frayed, come apart, or gotten weak down there as well. Remember, landscapers can come by wherever it is with, with their uh, with their edgers or, or their weed whackers 
and over time could cause problems if they kind of hit or nick that over time as well. So again, you want to make sure that your grounding system is in place. Again, we've talked about when we check the coax, we check what our, our, our lightning arrestors are. Again, you'll make sure your lightning arrestors are still watertight and that their grounding systems are intact, right? We want to make sure that the, the plugs or the grounding lug on your lightning arrestor, if it's outside the helm, is still attached to the grounding point as well. All right, so this was basically a rundown of existing hardware you have in the house. But let's take a look at maybe some tasks you may want to do, really short list, what things you may want to do outside the house, right? If you want to run new coax, you want to run new antennas, you want to add new antennas and new masks, the spring and the fall is a great time to be doing this. Why? Because you don't have the sun beating down on the back of your neck or in your eyes or making life uncomfortable while you're trying to do work, right? Because this is going to take more time than you expect, right? If you start, say, 9, 10 a.m. in the morning, you're not going to finish off till 2 o'clock if you're putting up a new antenna. You don't be working in the sun, in the heat doing this. It's no fun doing it. I've done it then. My favorite time to do any type of antenna work is the spring or the fall when I'm not getting beat up by the sun. I also don't like to get beat up by the cold, all right? I guess I'm a bit of a picky person, but I don't find it fun to be touching metal and screwing things in when my fingers are getting frostbitten, when my ears are cold, when I'm shivering on a ladder and everything around me is cold. This is why I enjoy spring and summer as a great time to be doing this kind of work. So with that said, let me know how I did. You can leave me feedback as a comment on our website, scannerschool.com slash session 125. Also, don't forget to join us on our weekly ZelloNet. It's a great opportunity for you to ask me questions and talk also with your fellow Scanner Radio students. Uh, Net runs every Tuesday except the first Tuesday of the month. It's a, about an hour long, and it's a great time for everybody who comes in and asks questions, shares information, and uh, we do a lot of sharing of information and, and stuff on there as well. So again, you can join this Net, get information on it by going to scannerschool.com slash Zello. That's like hello, but with a Z or a Z, depending where you are. Again, scannerschool.com slash Zello. Now, again, Scanner School's copyright 2020, Monitor Lion Inc. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this, again, is Scanner School, where we teach you everything you know about the scanner radio hobby. We'll catch you all again next week. Thank you so much, again, for listening. Bye-bye.